And welcome everybody to a special episode of the Animaniacast. And welcome everybody once again to the Animaniacast. This of course is the podcast that's dedicated to the animated television series Animaniacs, as well as other shows within the Rugerverse. Such as Tiny Toon Adventures, Pinky and the Brain, and Freakazoid. Today we have a very, very, very special episode. It is Animaniacs, a 30th anniversary celebration. This is the panel audio from WonderCon 2023. Uh, Yeah, this was a real special show. Um, Definitely one of the highlights of my... uh, (laughs) career here as one of the hosts of the Animaniacast, and um, boy, oh boy, I can't wait to share the audio with you. This uh, is actually also available on our YouTube channel as well, which I believe is youtube.com slash Animaniacast, so if you'd rather watch it, you can do that as well. Uh, This was a super fun show to put together. Uh, Of course, there's Tom Ruger and Paul Rugg as well as John P. McCann and Steve and Julie Bernstein. They're all there. They're all there to give behind-the-scenes stories and talk to the people in the audience and have a lot of fun. The audience itself was amazing. I have... I don't think... Yeah, no. I've never been in a panel room this big, especially to give... Well, definitely to give a presentation. Uh, (laughs) There was about a thousand people in there. Uh, Big, 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 big room with a lot of people, a lot of energy. And it was a ton of fun. Um, I'll have more behind the scenes stories of how this all got put together. I'm sure in the future, once I finally get to talk about it with uh, Nathan and Kelly. But um, if... In the meantime, we're go- we'll get right to the audio, but I do want to say, if you would like to see Tom and Paul come to a convention near you, I want to help make sure to get them to you. And the number, there's two steps really to do it. Number one, you got to email, contact your local convention, and let them know, hey, I really want Paul and Tom to come to our convention, to our convention. Uh, and do panels and do, you know, sign autographs, whatever. And I will work very hard on making sure that happens. So send them an email, send them, you know, whatever kind of messages you have to do on social media, etc. And of course, you can also email me, Joey, animaniacast at gmail.com. And I'll work very, 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 very hard <laughs> getting them booked there as well. Because, uh, there's much more. This is the tip of the iceberg of of stuff that we could have covered in the panel. Um, I'll get more into that later, but I had so many, so many, so many more slides to show, and we're not able to do that in this hour. So enjoy, listen, and contact your local convention so we can go to you next. All right. 
Here it is, Animaniacs at 30th Anniversary Celebration from WonderCon 2023. Hello, hello, testing, testing, testing. Hello, WonderCon! Hi! Glad to see all, what do we got, like 20 people out here? I can't see any lights. Uh, my name is Joey. I am one of the hosts of a podcast called the Animaniacast. And uh, it's actually a podcast I started about seven years ago with just the sole uh, thing of just, I love the show growing up, and I wanted to rewatch it with my brother and one of my friends. And wouldn't you know it, through that podcast, I got to meet the amazing people that we're going to be talking about today for the celebration of Animaniacs 30th anniversary. Let's go ahead and introduce these lovely folks right now, and let's go ahead and start with the creator of Animaniacs himself, it's Mr. Tom Ruger. Right here, Tom. And our next panelist has written some of my favorite Warner segments on, on Animaniacs, such as Meatballs or Consequences, Dracula, Dracula, but he's also responsible for writing some of the funniest slappy squirrel segments such as Woodstock Slappy. And he's also the author of some really funny and insightful books, such as They Took My Prostate, and How to Run a Marathon in 13 Years. It's Mr. John P. McCann. Coming up next is one of the funniest men I've had the pleasure to meet, he wrote more Warner segments than any other writer on Animaniacs, uh, including the uh, premiere segment, Desanitized, that introduced us to the Warners, uh, as well as other classics. Uh, so let's go and bring in Mr. Paul Rugg. And now to two incredibly talented musicians who helped bring the show to life through their amusing, amazing musical compositions. These two not only worked on the original series of Animaniacs, but also Pinky and the Brain, Hysteria, Freakazoid. They recently composed music for the boys, Diabolical, in the short Laser Babies Day Out. And they just finished composing music uh, for the Animaniacs reboot. It's Mr. Steve Bernstein and his wife, Julie Bernstein. Let's bring out Steve and Julie Bernstein. Yay! All right. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for being here today. And I'll tell you what, folks, I think we should start things off, if things go as planned, with singing the Animaniacs theme song. So everyone stand up here. Let's see if we can all sing this, and hopefully I got the volume. And if we don't, have volume. We we'll sing it a cappella. Are we all ready? To come heck or high water? Here we go. We all know the words, but in case you don't know, it'll be up on the screen. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, let's kick it off to Tom. Tom, tell us how did this show get started? I have no idea oh, what we were okay, doing. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the song, uh, 
by the way, uh, composed by uh, Richard Stone, the great Stonini, we called him. And uh, I was lucky enough to write the lyrics, but Richard uh, was our composer, along with Julian Steve in those good old days. These are some pencil tests you're seeing right now. And, uh, but 30 years ago, uh, 33 years ago, we started developing this thing. And one Saturday morning, uh, my boss, Gene McCurdy, and I and Sherry Stoner went over to the home of... Who's that guy that was the big guy? The... George Lucas. George Lucas. <laughs> and uh, George was... Uh, oh, no. Yeah, the other guy. It was Stephen. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and he had literally had milk and cookies set out for us. It was a Saturday morning. And uh, his wife and kids came in with a, just a whole bunch of kids. And so we were pitching segments for this show. And there was... Uh, like we pitched Rita and Runt. And Stephen said, I like them. And uh, we pitched uh, Slappy Squirrel. I like them. We pitched the Warners, who were ultimately were changed from ducks to, like, rubber hose cartoon characterists. And he liked them. Uh, he saw Mindy and, Mindy and Buttons. He said, mm, no. But then the kids came trundling in, and one of his youngest kids walked up to a stand-up of Mindy we had, and, I like her. And Stephen said, Mindy and Buttons are back in. <laughs> so I pitched, there's Pinky. Uh, I pitched Pinky in the Brain in this manner. I, I sang their theme song, but not uh, the, the melody that you know. I, I sang this. I said, they're Pinky in the Brain. Yes, Pinky in the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. They're laboratory mice. Their genes have been spliced. They're pinky, they're dinky in the brain, or something like that. Uh, of course, that wasn't the... Mal but Stephen then said, he heard the song, he saw the pictures, sold. So, we had a show, and, uh, but pinky in the brain theme song, I think you all know that. And do, do you have that we, ready to go? We can get the pinky in the brain theme and song. And then I'm going to hand it off to Mr. John McCann, who's going to regale you with hilarious stories. Yes, indeed. A little pressure. Uh, uh, That'll be fun. <laughs> so here's sing along, won't you? Yes. Hey, mate, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Ah. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. Thank By the way, we're going to do your questions, but each of these wonderful people is going to have a little chat with you. And here's John McCann. Thank you. This. This reverb is tripping me out, you know. The delegate from Michigan <laughs> pledges five votes. <laughs> well, the, one of the things I remember about Animaniacs, and it, it doesn't get a lot of uh, talk, is that we were right next door to the Sherman Oaks Galleria. It was a mall, and they had a great arcade in there. And if you couldn't find Paul and I, we'd be down in the arcade playing the Terminator 2 game. You know? <laughs> Paul would just wax my ass. Every, uh, 
I don't think he went home at night. I think he was in the arcade, you know. I'm going to get McCann tomorrow. <laughs> the kid from Nevada. The kid from Nevada. You know? Anyway, it was, uh, you know, took our mind off work, but it was a lot of fun. It was learning to work with other people. I didn't know anything about animation. We'd come out of uh, improv comedy. And, you know, I saw artists would make mimeographs of, you know, different scenes, and they'd study something, do something, and then they'd throw them away. So I'm there picking through the trash going, I, I wrote this, and they threw it away. <laughs> I was a garbage picker making good money. I, I mean, it was... It was difficult, but it was, it was a lot of fun. You really kind of, the pressure we were under kind of brought us all together in a way. And we had to work under that and learn to deal with that. And so it was a, you know, it was an interesting time. And uh, everybody smoked and it was like Las Vegas <laughs> with cartoons. So, you know. But it didn't hurt me in the least. <laughs> anyway, here is, here is the man who... Beat me handily, Paul Rudd. Thank you very much. I, yeah. No, we, we actually, we worked at a mall. Uh, we worked at the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Um, and there, there were, uh, do you guys remember the, the episode, um, the, the survey ladies that were, okay. That happened to us virtually every day. <clears throat> On our way from the 11th floor down to play video games, in which I did beat John quite a bit. Um, we, we had to go through uh, the survey lady. So, but but every, a, a lot of things that happened in Animaniacs were things that happened to us down in that mall. Um, and one of those things that happened was on the way down uh, to the mall in the elevator, uh, it stopped. And um, that's where uh, Ups and Downs, the Animaniacs, where he's in the elevator with Goit Furman. Go! Uh, that comes from that. Comes from that. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, am I supposed to say something else? Uh, uh, no, you're done. Okay. <laughs> anyway, beating John McCann uh, at games. Never mind. <laughs> oh, Stephen Julie, Steve Bernstein, Julie Bernstein. Hi, everybody. Yay! Aww. Aww. Thank you. Aww. Thank you very much. Yeah, we weren't at the mall with them. No, we were at home most of the time. Uh, we were invited to the mall to discuss the music for the next upcoming scoring that we had to do, and we were both terrified. Um, and what, Well, we just had the best time, though, was, in, the, so in the studio, recording with a live orchestra. Which was, uh, was that Steven's idea to do with, a, with an we, orchestra? We, we were all, with Tiny Tunes, as you know, the verse came Tiny Tunes, and we succeeded with that, so that's what Steven said. Let's, what's next? And that was Animaniacs. Uh, he, he uh, initially wanted it to be just like Looney Tunes, and so we went to the powers that be at Warner's and said, we need a full orchestra, and they all said, no. And then Steven said, excuse me? Yeah. And, and we had a lot of orchestra. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, was, thank goodness. It was a thrill to do that and to, to conduct these people who had the best time recording the music. They always came into the booth uh, on the breaks to, to watch the cartoons that they just played on. Um, but um, we were, uh, Richard Stone was the supervising composer, and um, he brought us on not long after he started, I think. And I happened to be answering the phone one day when he called to ask Steve a question. I don't know if you guys know this. He called to ask Steve a question about a chord that he couldn't figure out, and Steve wasn't home. 
And so I said, well, what chord are you looking for? And he said, I'm going to play a tape, and I will stop it right after that chord. And so he played it, and then he stopped the tape. And I said, oh, it's this. And I went to the piano, and I played it for him. And he was very excited. He said, that's it, that's it. And the next time we saw, I saw him, which was at a Tasmania session that Steve was working on with him, he handed me a stamp. We used to write our, on the scores. It was written with pencil, and we would put a stamp in the corner that said, composed by, orchestrated by. And he said, I have something for you. And he handed me a stamp that said, composed by Richard Stone, orchestrated by Julie Bernstein. There you go. That's how I got that job. <laughs> I, I didn't have a stamp. No, actually, I had a stamp. Um, it, had, it had my name. And then, I know Tim is here. Tim Kelly. Tim Kelly. Um, orchestrated for me for a long time and then decided that he just needed to write music, and which is a good decision because he's terrific. Um, so, Tim, thank you for helping uh, while you did. Yeah, he's here. Hi, Tim. And, what? That's enough. We've talked enough. enough. I can talk like a long time. But should, we'll, should we, play, we, should, we should play some clips from, okay. from the show, right? Let's do it. Yeah. Paul, what's your what's your favorite episode, Paul? Uh, probably Hearts of Twilight. Let's let's go to that <laughs> right now. Now scoot. Hoyle, how'd you with the going? You were there, but here now you are for me to see. How'd you do? You understand any of that? I think he said. Hoyle, how'd you with the going? You were there, but here now you are for me to see. How'd you do? Thanks for clearing that up. And. That episode, of course, was written by Paul as well. So, Freund Levin. Freund Levin! <laughs> uh, folks, I know there's a lot of folks out here that might have some wonderful questions for these folks out here. And do we have a microphone or anything like that that might be able to tour around and get that? Is that I can't see anything past the first or so in a row. But I know I saw some cordless mics perhaps in the back. Uh, or is there a place to line up for questions? Or yes, they're waving. They're saying hi right there. Oh, hi back way back there. Uh, yes, we have plenty of time for some questions. So anything you'd like to ask these wonderful folks, you can do so now. And if you, for whatever reason, don't get a chance to ask them your burning question, head on down to table EO1 and EO2 after this because you can meet Paul and Tom. And even the Bernsteins are going to be uh, down there as well. John. And John. So come on down and say hi. So anyway, with, that, with all that out of the way, let's go to our first question back there. They see a light in the back. Oh, wow. Hello. Hello. Is there going to be a third season of the new Animaniacs? <laughs> there, there is the third season that has started, uh, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. actually the third season. It's out on Hulu. It's it's been dropped, so it's there. Dropped in a good way, I mean. <laughs> but, but they didn't Unf pick it up. Yeah, unfortunately, there won't be a fourth. Right. Hey, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> They're too young. Sorry, I just, it comes out. <laughs> Continue. Yes. Um, hi. Um, I had a quick question about the character that we just saw on screen. Was there... Anything that inspired you guys uh, to give him that that really wacky voice that everyone laughed at? Hmm. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, all right. So, I I was a big Jerry Lewis fan. I still am a big Jerry Lewis fan. And around the office, <clears throat> unfortunately, I would be like, "Oh, my nice lady with the boys and everything." And 
Tom is like, if, if we give you a part, would you stop that? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, but not really. And so, uh, and so we did the first one, and there were, there were two versions of Jerry Lewis back then. There was the, there was the, oh yeah, you with the nice man, go high. And then there was the telethon Jerry, who felt it from the heart and could talk to you in an avuncular manner while using witticisms and chubimations. <laughs> and, and Tom was like, do a lot of that guy. So, th- there you go. Have I answered your question? If not, sit down. And he, and he of course, he carried, he carried that on, uh, and that became a part of who Freakazoid ultimately yeah, was. Yeah, Freakazoid and- became a lot of that. That's a whole different story. That's tomorrow. <laughs> it was also Hearts of Darkness, the yeah, uh, documentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, that was, so, I remember, I'll just I'll be real quick. But uh, the, Tom, I said, Tom, you know, it'd be funny to do a parody of, like, Hearts of Darkness or Apocalypse Now, because the kids will love it. And, and Tom is like, yes, they will. <laughs> Let's make it as complicated as possible. And I'm like, I'm there for that. So, um, so yeah, so that's, uh, that, that's just, that was kind of the way we wrote Anime Next back then. It was like, if we in the room were like, ha, 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 then to heck with the kids. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? I, I remember when we uh, made a Pinky in the Brain episode, episode called The Third Mouse, which was a parody of The Third Man, which is an Orson Welles movie made in like 1948 or something. And we, we finished it, and we sent it over to Spielberg, and he said, he wrote back a memo, what are you guys doing? <laughs> it's like meatballs and consequences, because kids love the seventh seal. You know? <laughs> yes. They can't get enough. Can't get enough of Bergmark. <laughs> Very existential. I think they said, uh, are, are we alive or... Are we, uh, are we in Ohio? Are we in Ohio? Yes. In fact, if we go to the, the feed right now, we can see a clip of this right here. So the Bergman-esque kind of moves. <laughs> All is strange and vague. Are we dead? Or is this Ohio? Let's get another question. Yes. Uh, your guys' show is one of the funniest cartoon shows I've ever seen. I'm ranking it really high. A lot of the jokes, very sophisticated. So I'm just wondering, what were the comedic influences that it's in the DNA? There's some stuff I've watched, and I'm, and I'm like, hey, that kind of reminds me of Mel Brooks, or reminds me of an airplane when I watch certain episodes. What were your comedic influences? I, I think uh, a lot of us felt at the beginning we were, we were channeling some Marx Brothers material, uh, uh, Jean McCurdy, our boss, uh, her husband once said to us, hey, uh, I used to work in children's programming. Every year someone would come in, I've got the new Marx Brothers, and they never did. It was, it was never very good. And you folks finally put the Marx Brothers in sort of cartoon form, and it's funny. So they were an influence. I mean, classic comedy was an influence. But these two fellows, uh, John and Paul, uh, they were brilliant comedians in their own right. They, they worked in improv. Uh, the first time I ever laid eyes on these two guys, they were on stage at an Acme Theater, and they had me rolling on the floor. They, they have a way of commanding comedy and an audience. And uh, so I think they can tell you more about their comic backgrounds. Well, Monty Python was a big one also. Um, 
particularly uh, John Cleese, who showed up in another show that we'll yeah, talk yeah. about later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Second City Television was another um, great influence. Uh, and uh, some of the people outside the 7 Eleven near our theater. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Marks, uh, when, when I was given my first script, which was Rollover Beethoven, um, I, was, I worked with John, we were doing um, improv, and um, Tom had come to see the show and, and gave us both an individual script, and um, when he and Sherry Stoner mentioned they are the, you know, pretty much the Marx Brothers, that was, that was an in immediately. And obviously over the years we've sort of morphed that, but... But Yakko was definitely Groucho, um, and uh, the other two is they were interchangeable. But uh, um, but uh, yeah, I mean uh, Python definitely. Um, we we tried to do some Python Python stuff. But uh, also, I, I will just say the old. I don't know if you guys know who Jack Benny is, but the but the old. You know, I thought we were really hip and like, man, we are right. We're a good comedy writers until I listened to the Jack Benny radio show from like the 40s. And it's some of the hippest, craziest, most wonderful stuff. Um, so that sort of influence. Anyway, um, stupid Julie Birdstein. We had no, no uh, input on the writing at all. Yeah. No matter, we would send in stuff and they would go, no. <laughs> we also, uh, John and I worked on something called Woodstock Slappy. And as you can tell, if you've seen some old... Abbott and Costello movies, we were inspired by Who's on First, which is a clip from this. Yeah, let's go and see if this works. The group on stage! Who? The band! No, the band is performing later. Right now we're listening to Who? That's what I want to know! And it goes on and on and on. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my turn? Uh... So, howdy, everyone. Uh, I am way after Animaniacs came out, so I, I was... Oh, you're saying we're really old? No. Yeah. no. That's terrible of you. <laughs> Next question. No. <laughs> well, my question is, what was the animation industry like back then in the day? Fun. Well, we had chisels. <laughs> <laughs> We used to use coal and an ironing board. <laughs> and if you, there was no photocopying, you'd, 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 you'd have a guy come over and you'd, you'd smoke with him. <laughs> if you were late, they put dogs in the room with That's you. That's right. <laughs> if you don't get this script out, you're going to be mauled. <laughs> we did everything on paper. We drew on paper. We wrote the things on it. Well, we actually had computers. But we, did, we painted, uh, it was all cell animation back then. And so it was uh, really, compared to today's process, fairly primitive. I mean, uh, they don't use the cells anymore. So there were people painting these cells. Uh, it was a lot of uh, manual labor. And the music. Remember, we were talking about how back in the 90s, there were no computers to use to put the music to synthesize, use a synthesizer and play it. So the first time that Paul, Tom, anybody, John, John, <laughs> anybody would hear the music, even we would hear it in the orchestra, was at the live recording session, which is completely different than today. And so they were I, hearing it in their heads. Uh, 
but those were the only people that yeah, knew what we, it sounded we like. We did hear it in our heads, but nobody else, so nobody could either say it's not good or it's good. They would just have to come to the session and it would be there. And by, by the way, the gravy of, of sort of after you write and you sort of, and you record and, and all the hard part is done, then if, if you were lucky, you got to go to these sessions on stage one, right? Uh, or at, Warner at Warner Brothers, which is where Carl Stalling made all the original stuff. And these, the, you know, 40 people would be there and then they'd be scoring your cartoon. It was insane. <laughs> And these people would all come in, they'd be like, hi, Phil, hi, Mary, how are you, how are you, how are you? And then Steve would go like this, or Julie would go like this, and everyone would go, and it'd be like, wow! It was amazing. The sound was enormous. I'm sorry, we were just as amazed, I just got to say, that these people can actually do that after a take. You know, after one go-through, they would do that, and it was amazing. Was the piano the same one that Carl Stalling used? I think at first, yeah. It's, it, yeah. And it was the same piano that was used on all those early films. They you know, recorded the Cas- Casablanca in that yeah. Yeah. studio. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they did as many glissandos down the piano, though. <laughs> yeah. There weren't as many anvils falling. Yeah. In they had, they had, never had a Thurman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They should have. Yeah, we had way more xylo, I believe, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, the xylo. That was a really, I mean, the, our xylo player was playing. You have no idea how fast he could play. Just well, we gave him the violin part, and, he said, and we said, here, play this. And he said, okay. You know, wow. quite, quite phenomenal. A lot of notes in not much time. Fabulous. Yeah, so uh, whenever I'm writing a sketch, most of the time I have an idea for who I want to cast. Uh, when you were in the, uh, the process of writing the show, did you guys write your characters with Rob, Jess, and Tress in mind, or were they already signed to work on the show to begin with? We were trying to write them out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, we auditioned uh, everybody in town, uh, Rob was tremendously, we, we loved him from his uh, work on Tiny Toons. He had, uh, what r- really super impressed me about his work on Tiny Toons was when uh, Babs and Buster went downriver in uh, what I did on my vacation, and they met these possums. And Rob, uh, Charlie Adler, uh, didn't do the uh, twanging that Buster did with his mouth. (laughs) Rob Paulson did it, and he did it with, you know, he could cover all these different octaves. It was amazing. So we thought, well, that guy can really sing. So we wanted to put a lot of songs in Animaniacs because that was the only way we would ever get royalties. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, by the way. (laughs) We needed to get, uh, we wanted to get really great singers. So Rob, Jess, and Tress were particularly uh, good singers. So Rob, uh, we, we definitely uh, pushed him. We, when we sent a bunch of auditions to Stephen, we put like three of Rob in there, but he didn't know. And uh, uh, Tress, I think we pretty much knew we wanted Tress from the beginning. Uh, uh, and then Jess came in. He was the last audition on the last day, and we were at our wits end. I think everyone was coming in. His name was Wacko, and everyone was doing like, Hello! Wacko, wacko, yeah. And every audition was like that. And it was like, oh my gosh, we're, we're dead. We're dead in the water. <laughs> this isn't bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we started reading names out of the almanac, celebrity names, and we got to the Beatles. And we said, do you do any Beatles? And he says, which one? And he did all of them. 
and we thought, we thought the ringer was particularly strong, and that's the one we sent in, and that's the one that won. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, casting Paul Rugg was more difficult, right? Yeah, I, I'm very difficult to work with. <laughs> uh, so when we write for these characters well you guys when you're writing for a particular character I know you love writing for Wacko yeah I, I like but what's, what's funny is once we when we first started we didn't have Rob, Jess and Tress we were just sort of again going off of that that um, Marx Brothers vibe once we once they were cast and we started hearing it then we definitely started writing for Rob and writing for you know, with, within knowing what they could do and how Tress would sort of do a little thing. We definitely, I mean, I did anyway. I don't know if you did, John. Right, but also with celebrities, we got to work, as we got to work with like Jeff Bennett or uh, Corey Burton, you know, that their, their range was just amazing. And the number of people that they could imitate was just fantastic. Yeah. So we would draw on that and try and use them. As Can I, I just want to say that every time I left a vocal session... I would probably, for the next two hours, rant in a good way about how the people in that session are geniuses. They're geniuses. I just couldn't believe how many different characters they could do. Well, Julie and Steve, you know, we, Paul, John, and I, and a few others, we would write lyrics, but we we had no idea what they were going to do musically. So Steve and Julie and Richard would do all the melodies for these songs that we just thought, well, good luck with them. And, uh, so they, they orchestrated and, and composed these songs, but also they, they knew the, the ranges for each actor, right? Which wasn't always easy because uh, Rob, Tress, and Jess are, have very different ranges. It was always sort of a puzzle to put, the, put it in now the right range. Now, what did you do when Bernadette Peters was coming in to do a song? What was that? When? Bernadette Peters. Oh, she was the character of Rita. Yes. And... Um, Yes, I didn't have any trouble writing for her, her range. That was fun, yeah. She could just hit any note you gave her, pretty much. Right? Yeah, and, a, you know, an amazing voice. As opposed to Slappy Squirrel, you gave her a song, she, uh, she wanted to kill you. Yeah. Yeah, no, working with the actors, working vocally with the actors was just one of the most fun things ever. Julie got to go to those parties, too. I never, I never got to go to those parties, but... Uh... Speaking of songs, I think it's time we, we as a crowd, do another sing-along. Oh, now, yeah. you, now, many of you are familiar with Yakko's World, of course, but I think many of you, of course, know the most educational song is truly Lake Titicaca. Yeah. <laughs> written, written by Tom over here. So if, 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 if you would like, I have on the, the screen, if we can get this up, the Lake Titicaca theme. So... Very, very educational. Here we go. Sing, sing along. Sing along if you know the words. Lake Titicaca, oh Lake Titicaca, it's between Bolivia and Peru. Yes, Lake Titicaca, cause we really like saying its name, Titicaca! Titicaca! All right, we got another question. Yeah, hi. Uh, a few years ago, I got to meet Rob Paulson and Randy Rogel, and they told a story about how when they went to record Yakko's World, uh, Rob did it all in the first take. Um, I was wondering, like, were any of you in the room for that? And, like, what was it like to be able to, uh, like, were there any other, like, interesting stories when recording the songs with uh, Rob, Jess, and Tress? You should tell the, the, uh, the thing from Wacko's Wish about pointing to the people who... Had- oh, I almost threw my arm out because there's a, in Wacko's Wish, 
there's a song. What is it? Um, Tchaikovsky? No. A list, I think. List, it yeah. The list. The, it's the Hungarian Rhapsody is the music. And um, wishing, wishing, I wishing. was at one point in the song, it goes, wishing, 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 wishing. And I was pointing to all the actors were sitting in the room, and I was pointing to them at which point to sing. And Frank Welker, who's an amazing, amazing voice actor, he was, the, he, he was the voice of Runt and so many other people. And I just remember, and he was so worried about, he was sitting there just waiting for his time, and I was trying to prepare him. And I remember I, I threw my arm out just going, now! Anyway, yeah. But he made it. Uh, he did it. Rob... Uh, finished the, the, the first time we recorded uh, Nations of the World with Rob, he did get through the whole song. He did a great job. But there were a few spots in it where he you know, had to catch his breath. We didn't want him catching his breath in the middle of the song. So we did, uh, we, we did three takes that day, and we did cut in uh, a couple sections from other takes. So, but, uh, I mean, he, he clearly prepared the heck out of that song. He was ready for it. All right. Next. So this is more of a freakazoid question. What was your inspiration behind it, and will we ever get a new season? I have to tell you tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. I'm sorry. Legally, I've signed an NDA, and we have to talk about this tomorrow. But... <laughs> That, One o'clock. Are, are you available tomorrow? Can you come tomorrow? Otherwise, we'll, we'll do it outside in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> One o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, I don't care. See you there. <laughs> is this on? Yes, it is. All right. So I just felt like asking, out of the many musical numbers featured in Animaniacs, what are some of your favorites? Oh, I have one. And I, I think it's going to be performed right now, is it not? <laughs> what is it? One. What is it? You know what. Oh, you want me to do that one? Yeah. <clears throat> Here, here's my favorite. When the whip a will, whip is in the wind. The wind can't whip it back. Oh, nice and chubby, baby. <laughs> that one? Yeah. You know, look. Yakko's world is great. You know, all the countries of the world are fine, but I think that Tom's right. That's the best song ever written. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Julie wrote the music for it. Yeah, uh, is that the one you wanted? Yeah, I love that. And uh, John, you wrote You and Me. I love that. You and Me at the, down at the UN. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Magellan? Ballad of Magellan. Ballad of Magellan. I love Ballad there of Magellan. There once was a man. It, he, that's mostly John McCann. John McCann. By the way, John McCann would always come in with the line. Like, when, whenever someone like, oh, man, I love anime, I love Freakazoid, and they go, this line, it's always one that John wrote. <laughs> always. That's for the video games, buddy. <laughs> John also wrote the first half hour of uh, Pinky and the Brain. The, the first, but it, and it was in the Animaniacs series. It was called Spellbound. And it was packed with strange, bizarre little tunes that, that uh, Pinky would sing and annoy the living daylights out of Brain. So the first time Rob used the word fjord, I think. <laughs> <laughs> How about you guys? Favorite song? 
Julie worked on the songs. I, I never got to make people sing, really. I, I, I did the footsteps and the running and the tornadoes. And all, this, all the episodes without dialogue were the ones that, yes. that were assigned to me. So basically, they were symphonies that I had to come up with every two weeks. It's amazing. Um, and but, I just, oh, anyway, well, the, the one musical moment that stands out is the piano rag, because they animated the pianist before they got to me. And so these hands are going everywhere, and it was up to me to make it make sense. Oh my and he did it. He did it. It's yeah. really incredible. Oh, here it is. Oh, there it is. It's not normally done in that order, so. (laughs) But, you know, I just wanted to say writing, um, so the writers were writing parodies. They really enjoyed making loving fun of uh, Disney musicals and any other musical that ever existed. And like Tom was saying before, they would write the lyrics and then we would write a parody to whatever that musical was. But the hard thing is that the musical as it is, probably the composer chose the best notes, the ones that work. And so making a parody, making a sound-alike, that's still good. That was the challenge, but it was a lot, a lot of fun. And without getting sued. I mean, that was... Yeah, no, that was the main thing, always in the back of the mind. Okay, you can't... Only one note can be the same, but if two notes or three notes are the same, we're going to get sued. Uh, Deanna Oliver wrote my... I think my favorite uh, Rita and Runt cartoon, which was Les Miserables. And uh, uh, a lot of notes. And the, the weird thing about that one is Deanna never saw uh, Les Mis in her life. <laughs> <laughs> so she's very talented. Yeah. Uh, let's go for another question. Hi. So like, during the early times when you were coming up with the show, like before it became the show we know and love today, you originally had the idea that there was going to be four Warners. So... During that time, did you have any ideas on how the show would have been like at, when you had the fourth Warner in mind? They were just going to visit him in the hospital. Uh, I, think. I never knew this. Was, was that the plan? Do I? <laughs> uh, he was called Smacky, or was that right? Or, uh, Smacko or something. Smacko. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, we had four, and they, they, they yeah, um, but... Honestly, the more characters you have, the more difficult it is. I mean, these three guys, uh, and uh, Dot and Yako, they work beautifully as a trio. And the fourth one, you know, Zippo in the Marx Brothers never really did much. (laughs) And so we felt that the fourth character would be a a weight on on them. Okay, thank you. Legit. He he passed away before we came along. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next question. So my favorite line from the show is, hello, Nose. I was wondering what your guys' was. Favorite character? Favorite character. No, line. Favorite line. Oh, was, hello, nurse. That was your favorite line. Do you have a favorite quote line? Uh, Let's see. Mm. Uh, All right. Uh, Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
I do like that. Uh, anybody? Uh, uh, I, I can't. I can't recall any. Line. I'm sorry. From what show? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, the, you know, here's the problem: is like we the, the, we like all of them. Uh, that's a cheap way of getting out of the question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in terms of catchphrases, I think "fabu" was one of my favorite words. Yes. Nah. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fabu. Call me Dottie and you die. Yes. Uh, oh. Yeah. Princess Louisa Contessa. Louisa Banana, oh, yeah. Banana Fanabo. Are, are you pondering what I'm pondering? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Thank yes. you, John. Yes. Thank you. All right, Scarlet Witch is next. Grab that. <laughs> So I just want to say thank you for like making my childhood. I love it so much. The show it's one of my favorite things. Do you guys have a favorite side character, like anyone besides the Warners? Mm, yeah. Excellent question. Yes. <laughs> well, do we count Pinky and the Brain as side characters? <laughs> I I feel like uh, Pinky Brain, Yakko Wakko and Dot are like uh, our current leads. Yeah. And then I I'll I'll vote for Slappy anytime. I love Slappy. I had a soft spot for Runt and, and Ralph the Guard. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but... It says a lot. <laughs> Johan? Well, I liked uh, Rita and Runt because, like you mentioned, that, that meant mailbox money. <laughs> songs. There was songs. a song. Yeah. A lot of songs. And I, I, I'm a personal fondness for Scratch and Sniff. Just because he was like he was he was so good to work off of the three of them. Mm. Thank you. Uh, hi, my oh, my question is: How long have you guys been making animations? I I started I started uh, well the, the chisel thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I worked at Hanna Barbera uh, before any of you were born, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I worked on uh, Yogi's Treasure Hunt back then. Uh, uh, I, the first thing I ever animated was, uh, I, I worked as an animator at first, and I, I animated Godzilla on the Godzilla Power Hour with Godzuki. <laughs> <laughs> with Godzuki. <laughs> um, uh, and then, um, then I quit. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, so then I, then I worked at Filmation. I worked on something called Black Star. And so I was back, uh, I don't like to date myself, but uh, in the 80s. And, uh, and I went to Hanna-Barbera and worked on a pup named Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Scooby-Doo, baby, Scoo. And uh, so that's what got me the gig to work with Mr. Spielberg because uh, that had a lot of Tex Avery type, semi Tex Avery Warner Brothers type gags. And so he saw that and appreciated that uh, I at least could speak the same language as he was speaking. And uh, so, so that's my sort of cartoon backstory. All right. John, how did how, you get going? Well, I had, I had written a, a Disney show that had come up they were uh, envious of tiny tunes at the time and they decided to do something like disney and that'd be like uh, uh, trying to come up with a funny joke in front of 15 suits you know say what does that mean can we be sued i don't know <laughs> say what does that mean you know <laughs> so uh, 
Uh, it, it, it left me with a bad taste in my mouth, and they were cheap, too, <laughs> for all that. <laughs> but mostly we were, we were, Paul and I, I was doing stand-up originally, and then Paul and I, uh, you know, hooked up and we started, uh, we were in some of the same groups crossing paths, and then we, uh, Acme Comedy Theater, we started working together for a couple of years, so um, that was a lot of fun. There were no suits, but there was no money yeah. either, <laughs> so... Sherry Stoner, our story editor, her husband ran the Acme Theater, and Sherry Stoner would come in now and then and say, you know what, you've got to come to our theater because there are a couple guys there that are just funny. And uh, she was right. It was these two fellows. Yeah. Yep. Um, well, I, oh, are we seeing something? Oh, anyway. No, I, I started working in animation, I guess, with Tiny Toons. I was orchestrating for Fred Steiner, who did a bunch of Tiny Toons. And so I started, and then he let Fred me... Fred Steiner of... Of, uh, of uh, Perry Mason, of a lot of uh, the old Star Trek library. Yeah. Um, so I worked with him, and then he started letting me write a few cues, and I got... And you cleaned the leaves out of his gutter. Yeah, I did. I, I yeah. alphabetized his record collection. Yeah. <laughs> These are things that you have to do on you the pay, way to uh, Those are dues, yeah. So Look up Fred lot, Steiner on your Google. He's really a big name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Hey, everyone. Um, props to being the, speaking of musical stuff, props to being the only children's cartoon I've ever seen to have the guts to uh, do a spoof of Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> uh, I guess this question is to Mr. Ruger. Um, I, for as goofball as the show was, this was a tremendous source of great teaching songs. I mean, really serious Show them to your school kids teaching songs. If you ever forget what capital is what for what state, there it is. So, um, what was your inspiration? What made you decide? Yeah, I wanted this to be part of the show. Uh, we had a deadline, and someone had written something that we could <laughs> use. Uh, it was really uh, Randy uh, Rogel wrote uh, the, the country song and the uh, the, the, the state song, and he wrote them for his own child. I think a couple of years before Animaniacs existed. And uh, so he came in, and, and he would come in and play the piano, and he was very peppy. And, and uh, we said, well, that, that would be great uh, for our show, since we're on a deadline and we're behind. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, uh, Rob and, and Jess. So Rob did the first one, and Jess literally... He, he came up to me and said, Where, where's, where's my song, man? Dude, I, I need a song like Rob. So uh, we made sure Rob didn't get the state song, and we gave it to Jess. Well, thank you so much. That, that unfortunately, was our last question right there. No. But if you folks out there, and I know there's a lot of people who have lots of questions and want to meet these wonderful people, come on down to Hall C, tables E01 and E02, We'll get all these people right here. They'll love to say hi to you, uh, each and every one of you. Come on down. Let's all go down together. And uh, let's give a big hand for all of our panelists for being here. And thank you so much, thank WonderCon. Thanks. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, 
Freakazoid. The Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respected trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated.